Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast, and I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on, and thankfully, I have invited some friends. I'm here today with Dr. Hillary Mead. Hi. Hi there. <laughs> she and I are becoming fast friends because we have some Minnesota roots connection, which I will explain later. She is a clinical psychologist, and she works at Seattle Children's and Outpage Psychiatry, primarily helping support teens and teaching. Well, you're going to clarify that. Her eyebrows just raised a little bit. <laughs> She's going to clarify exactly what she does, so just hold on. She got her PhD in clinical psychology in the University of Washington here in Washington State, and then she did a residency really studying and learning more about helping support children, teens, and their families, and then did a postdoc where she even worked directly with teenagers with some different and novel techniques. And when when I asked Dr. Mead about kind of what she was most proud of and what she's really good at, you know, she's like such a classic clinician. She knows she's really good at helping support families and learning how to do what we're going to talk about today, which is learn about the value of mindfulness and learn techniques and strategies in some ways and ideas for helping incorporating it into life where we all have aspects of suffering and challenge and anxiety and overwhelm. Thank you so much for coming and joining. My pleasure. One little side note, too, you must know, is I asked her, you know, if she had kids, and I asked her if she had pets, and I was kind of, like, learning about her life. She's one of these, like, do-gooders. She has a cat that has been kicked out of two other people's homes, and she lets that cat live with her. And that cat, I said, so, like, is it a nice cat? And she completely evaded and said, it's a curious cat. <laughs> right? <laughs> he so is. So you're a do-gooder. Yeah, no, I'm sure he is. <laughs> I'm sure he is. Yeah. Okay, so let's just off the bat. What is, I mean, I think it can sound kind of voodoo-y to some people, and it can seem really non-science-based to talk about mindfulness. What, what is mindfulness? So mindfulness is, is actually pretty simple to say and very hard to do. So it's mm-hmm. paying attention in this moment, moment to moment, and non-judgmentally. So accepting what is. For example, right now, I know that I feel pretty nervous about doing this, <laughs> right. and I'm just noticing it as I talk. Uh-huh. So it's, I mean, as I've learned a little bit about mindfulness and training my mind not to be always in such judgment, because we talk about these inner critics that are in so many of us so loud. It's saying, oh, I have this thought. This is my moment. And instead of beating myself up for this thought, I'm just mm-hmm. going to have this thought. Instead of saying, I wish I wasn't nervous, you're just saying, oh, I'm nervous. I feel that. Right. I'm nervous. And I'm having this conversation with you at the same time. Yeah. Um, and you're bringing up this idea of of thoughts and how we you know, our thoughts can actually have us rather than having them and noticing them and letting them go. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the core parts of mindfulness is observing when you're having a thought and it's moving you away from the present moment. Maybe you're worried about what's going to happen in the future, the appointments you have, um, the laundry that you have to do, or some regret. You know, you you had some conversation with your kid and you're having a hard time Mm -hmm. letting that go. And now you have to move on to the next moment. So mindfulness is helps you anchor to the present moment. So wait, I, that happens all the time to me. So like, <laughs> regret, right? Of like, what did I say at breakfast, right? Then I'm like, Ugh, and I'm chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it. In that moment, what's the mindful thing for me to do that's helpful for me? So I'm, I'm chewing on it saying, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Gosh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. What am I supposed to, what, what's just a tip of how I, can I be mindful in the moment to just say, oh, I'm feeling regret. Why am I feeling regret and explore that or... Yeah. So I guess the first thing is, like you said, to notice that you're doing that. 
Uh-huh. I mean, I get I get into a place where sometimes I'm not even aware that I'm chewing on something over and over. And so the first thing in mindfulness is increased awareness. And then once you have awareness, like, whoa, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking over and over about what I just said, then you have more opportunity to choose. Do I want to do some problem solving around that? Or do I want to save that for later? And if so, <laughs> if so, it's not the right time that yeah. you can anchor yourself into what you're doing. Like, are you doing the dishes? Okay, keep doing the dishes if you're not, if it's not a good point in time for you to try to problem solve. Right. So, okay. So mindfulness is simple and hard to do. I like that. I mean, I think it's kind of simple in concept, really hard to execute on. I remember I saw one of, I guess not a founder, but a really strong voice in the mindfulness is John Kabat-Zinn. Who, right. Um, I, I have had the pleasure of meeting him and talking with him and learning from him. And I, he came to Seattle a few years back and was at Town Hall. And I remember one of the funny things he said, it's in a post that I wrote about it. He said something like, it's like, you look at the clock and you're like, oh, look, it's now again. Mm-hmm. Like you look at your watch and you're like, wait, oh, it's mm-hmm. now again. Like mm-hmm. every moment is like a rebirth and renewal to say, oh, I can try again. That's right. You know, that a minute ago I was beating myself about breakfast and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I don't have to do that because I can, I can try again. It's, it's That's now. Right. <laughs> right. Every, mm-hmm. every moment is an opportunity to be mindful. Yeah. Such an optimistic way to look at it that it might be useful even when you're kind of failing at it or trying it out or, or. Yeah. So there isn't really failing in mindfulness. Um, so one of my meditation teachers, I, I, um, came from, um, I, I, I did mindfulness-based stress reduction. I did that class, which is, which was John Kabat-Zinn's and my right. me- mindfulness teacher. And that taught us that your mind wanders and that's what we expect. And it's bringing it home to the present moment. That is what mindfulness is. And so it's not failure when your mind is um, moving about. We expect it to move about. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of the kind of lassoing it back in and thinking about where you are. right? Sure. Right. Or it's a puppy that's wa- you're, it's like you're taking a walk with a puppy and we expect the puppy to wander off the sidewalk. Oh, yes, they and do. We don't, and we don't lasso it. Actually, we just gently move it back to the sidewalk <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, I have a great Dane. She's a nightmare. <laughs> and I can't gently do anything with her. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, li- I like that. The, the, the gentleness around thinking the wandering's just part is normal. Yeah. And the mindfulness is knowing that the wandering just happened and that the dog's off the sidewalk or the thoughts over there on the left on the left side and you kinda wanted it right in front of you. Exactly. And you just kinda say, Oh, like come right back here. Yeah, and, and try again. I, I you know, we we've talked a little bit and we'll as this podcast goes on and, and some others that we're gonna do, I we'll talk about some apps and strategies of how to build mindfulness into your life and the different things that you can do. But I had tried an app called Headspace and um, it, which many of you may know about because it's so popular and I, I could I got through like the first ten exercises and I loved it. They had these great videos and but one of the things that I liked the very most is that you'd be it's kind of guided meditation. So in this app you sit and listen to a ten minute session and a lot of it's silent because you're just doing the meditation and you're in a sit and and then you know he'd just chime in and all of a sudden like in his ears he'd say so it's okay if your mind just wandered off. And I'd be like off thinking about, you know, Guam, <laughs> right? And then I, but it was so permissive to your point that mm-hmm. it's not about failing or precision mm-hmm. or accuracy. It was just really like, there you are again, you know, mm-hmm. like, so in mindfulness, just back to the kind of broad brush on, on what it is, the mindfulness is that kind of simple act of presence, mm-hmm. I guess, of thought and mm-hmm. time of all of it coming to the same place. What are the practices that parents should know about? I mean, what are the practices that harness or that use mindfulness? 
Sure. Um, like you listed them out. So, so meditation is one. That's the one I think sure. most people think about. Sure. Is, and, and it's getting such play right now sure. in the public, right? I mean, I think a lot of people talk about meditation. What are the other practices? So the other one that most people know about is yoga. Uh-huh. Um, so that's a, another formal meditation practice. Other ones include mindful eating. So you can pay attention to what you're eating when you're eating it. Yeah. Another form of, of mindfulness is, is, uh, is walking and paying attention to the experience of walking, what you're noticing in your body, anchoring yourself. Um, there's also mindful dancing. I used to, I used to do this um, in a group of people where you just throw yourself in and oh, you dance. And <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, really, Dr. Mead, but like, no. Okay, where you're like throwing, and that what, you're just doing whatever you want? And then yeah, yeah. So you you <laughs> throw yourself into the moment and you dance. I love it. And this is something that we do in our house with the five year old in our house too. Is we intentionally throw ourselves in yeah, and we yeah, have yeah. little dance parties. And yeah. that is the act of mindfulness. And and what happens typically? So the dancing is the classic example because most people feel a lot of self judgment. They have mm -hmm. judgments of themselves. And the mm -hmm. more you do it, what happens is the judgment kind of falls away, falls yeah. away yeah. and you start to just be in the moment dancing with the music and the people around you yeah she was dancing just so you, people know her, her <laughs> shoulders were going up her arms were moving around it was great yeah no I, well kids love that right because it's just like instead of being restricted and defined to be a certain way like those dance we do that all the time in our house mm -hmm. I didn't even think of it as mindfulness but I I like shaping it up that way of just kind of the freedom to just express and explore in that moment mm -hmm. and that sound and mm -hmm. I love turning the music way up and doing stuff like that so but so mindfulness too I mean in the clinical experience when and I don't think we need to talk about that a lot but at, at children's where you help support um, teens and their families and things how what problems do you solve sometimes in related to health challenges or mental health challenges what problems are you solving with mindfulness um, so first of all we teach people how to observe their feelings and their thoughts so this might be um, the teens that I work with have all um, a cadre of, of issues oftentimes they have major depression so they have this low mm -hmm. really low depressed mood state and then maybe they have panic disorder on top of it and they also have trauma history so moment to moment they have a lot mm -hmm. of intense emotional experiences and we help them we try to help them to slow down that experience by observing their for example their urges uh -huh. so can you sit in this moment without moving notice the urge to move and not actually act on that so how is that helpful clinically if somebody can practice observing the urge without acting on it hmm. gives them opportunity to think what do i want to do next uh-huh with a different kind of urge besides moving right of a yeah. behavior or something that's, that's not good right. for them that's yeah. right right for example a parent might think about this as the urge to say something that they would regret later to, oh. to their <laughs> child oh that happens it does <laughs> right right yeah. yes it does <laughs> like i always call those those frontal mo frontal low moments right where like what you know your executive function is the front of your brain where it kind of is like no no think through the consequences of saying that in a heated moment right or, yeah right and the first thing you need to do before you can think through it is to to have awareness of the emotional state that you're you're in mm -hmm. and when you observe that and if you label it there's actually research to say that if you label the emotion that it can help to downregulate. so give us an example of that well how do i label an emotion 
Um, I am I'm, I am feeling so sad right now. And that's uh-huh. not true for me right now in this moment, but say, so labeling that you're yeah. feeling sad. You're or, feeling sad. And just calling it that to yourself, acknowledging that yeah. the feeling you have is overwhelming sadness, which is awful. Sadness is an awful emotion. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a judgment, right? Well, okay. I think it, I don't like being sad. Perfect. That's not a judgment. I prefer not to be sad. I don't like this sadness. And I have it right now. Rather than yeah. awfulizing it, rather than saying it shouldn't be this way, sometimes we are sad. And it's actually really helpful to say, yes, I am sad in this moment. Why? Well, the research says it actually helps us to accept the moment and to eventually to move, past move, move past it. When we say, I don't want, I, it shouldn't be this way. It's awful. It's horrible. We actually stay stuck longer. And that's what's called suffering in Yes. Well, that's what feels yeah. like suffering in life. This is great. I love that. Guys, I think I'm getting therapy at the same time. This is awesome. <laughs> Hello, world. <laughs> Dr. Mead is going to help me. No. Yeah. No, no. So the label just acknowledge. We can look at it better, almost kind of package it in a way to dispose of it if we want to. Sure, or navigate your life. Another way of thinking about it is like imagine if we walked into this room with the lights off mm-hmm. and we tried to find our seats. It would be hard because there are no windows in this room. There's no yeah. windows. Right. It would be completely dark. We yeah. would hurt ourselves probably. Uh-huh. Um, now compare that with turning on the lights and you see what's there. You see for the person with these intense emotions what what emotions are there? What are the thoughts? And then you, you're better able to navigate your life when you can mm-hmm. actually see what's there. And so for the teens that I work with, yeah. they have such a jumble of intense emotional experiences that we want to slow things down so they can first observe before they go into the room. Yeah. Okay, that was, that was great. So let's, let's talk a little. So mindfulness is this combination of awareness <laughs> the, um, and acceptance and non-judgment. And it can be practiced through practices like mindfulness-based stress reduction, meditation, yoga, mindful eating, mindful, I I don't mean to laugh at that. It makes a lot of sense to me. Mindful walking, (laughs) mindful playing with your child, um, you know, and and even you saying kind of, you know, just, I I don't know if you remember the, um, there was a David Foster Wallace. David Foster Wallace did a commencement address at Kenyon College, my alma mater, of which you looked at. You considered for your own I college did. experience. I, I did. <laughs> he gave a commencement address where he that was called "This Is Water." I am telling you, people, to stop driving your car, pull over, and watch this video if you can. And it was produced ultimately a snippet of that, but it was called "This This Is Water," and um, he talks about that the that the act of, of, a, of an education, it's almost interesting, like almost, he didn't use the word mindfulness, but he talked about the act of an education is learning how to, day, to deal with the day-to-day life and kind of be creative and happy waiting in line at the grocery store, going in day in, day out in your regular boring job, going in day in, day out through like paying your bills and getting through the slog, right? This idea that what education gives us, and frankly, I think what he's talking about is mindfulness to say, this is how it is right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just be present in this moment, grateful mm-hmm. I'm alive, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to walk and feel the walking and listen to the mm-hmm. birds chirp and feel that my feet, that my blister hurts on my left toe or whatever right. it is. Yeah. That the that learning, and maybe we can help our kids with this, that just kind of being aware of what hurts or what feels great or what is beautiful or what isn't, mm-hmm. that just that awareness in and of itself mm-hmm. is this education that is, is, it can kind of like, I think one of the things he says is like light light the stars on fire in the universe, you know, just kind of this, you know, he was such an amazing writer and kind of poet in some ways, but it, anyway, this is water is worth it. sounds inspirational. I want to give you an example of that concretely. Yeah. When you're waiting in the grocery store in line and you're in the express checkout and you see the person in front of you 
mm. and you're pretty sure that they have way more. Oh, than yeah. Their, they have 17 they items. They have 17 you know items. It. And then yeah. you start counting them. <laughs> So where, so is, where is your mind in that moment? Your mind yeah. in that moment, that's a stressful moment that you're counting and you're checking. So there's another thing. You, there's so many other things you could be doing in that moment. <laughs> yeah. And mindfulness says, okay, well, you could just observe the fact that your feet are in your shoes. Not the fact, but observe the sensation. The sensation. Uh-huh. Like right now, anybody who's listening, you can actually move your attention. Don't do this if you're driving, okay? One thing at a time. So don't do it if you're driving. <laughs> but if you're anywhere else, and Wendy Sue, I invite you to do it. You can observe your feet in your shoes right now, and your mind can go right there. So when you're in the grocery store, you can also do that. Not thinking about your feet mm-hmm. in the shoes, mm-hmm. but observing, feeling, feeling it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> no, I feel it. My, my heel is kind of clicked over the edge of this chair. I can, that's where I feel most of the pressure. I mean, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's like when I I took a little mindfulness-based stress reduction coaching class in medical school, and I remember learning the body scan technique, right? which I use sometimes when I can't sleep. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I can't fall asleep. I can't get my mind to stop. And, I, and I've helped my even my kids do this, of like mm-hmm. when their mind is spinning at nighttime. Mm-hmm. A body, I mean, will you describe a body scan? I don't want the world to hear me describe it. Can, you could describe it. I'm so, so much can better. I, can I guide? Yeah, can I guide us and do it? And I also do this with my teens as yeah. well. So right now you can just, like we started one, you could just observe your feet right now and uh-huh. see if you can notice your toes and observe your toes. You can wiggle them a little bit. And if you don't feel them, that's okay too. You can observe your feet, the tops of your feet. You can observe the bottom of your feet. Not trying to change anything about it, just noticing the sensations. You can observe your calf muscles now moving up. And as your mind wanders, as it will, just move it back to the calves. Maybe noticing um, the sensation, uh, if you're wearing pants, of the pants touching your calves. Observe your knees. Observe your thighs. As your mind wanders, bringing them back to your, your thighs. Moving up, you can observe your, your belly. You might notice the breath moving in and out, moving your belly. Noticing your chest as it also rises and falls with the breath. You might notice judgments arise. I shouldn't be doing this right now, or why am I doing this? Thoughts, and that's, that's to be expected, and move back to noticing your chest. And notice your neck and your shoulders, that place where you hold so much tension. Noticing your face and all of the muscles that control your face. And now noticing your breath. You don't have to control that. You keep breathing without trying. So that's a mini. That was a body scan. That's a mini body scan. I hope we all, I loved that. So I had said, you know, I use that with insomnia sometimes or something, or just just if I'm on a trip, like a work trip, and I come out of a big conference, I'm just trying to kind of get the sleep I need before I have to get on the airplane or whatever mm-hmm. it is, those, those packaged times. I love that because I, I think that was a nice 
crisp introduction to thinking on what what a family could learn or a child could learn. And, and one of the quotes I, I went and read, there's a 2016 American Academy of Pediatrics be- beautiful review on the research related to mindfulness in childhood. And one of the quotes in the very beginning is like, children are very capable of self-care skills. Hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. you know, so much of parenting feels heavy because we have to model everything so well and we're supposed to do it well. And, and that maybe even in teaching mindfulness to our kids, we need to learn it first ourselves. But that learning even how, like, you could now repeat thinking about that body scan when you're, like, waiting in the line at the DMV. Right. Right? Or in the line at carpool, waiting for, to pick up your kid when you know you're late for piano lessons. Or, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. you can kind of, you can take it in a two-minute chunk or you can take it in a 45-minute chunk, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, But that the capacity, and I think, I, I love some of the writing online and in that, that, you know, preschool kids can, can maybe meditate or do a body scan or have mindful eating for a few minutes every day and grade school kids can maybe five to 10 minutes every day and adults maybe could practice mindfulness with eating or walking or yoga or meditation for 45 minutes or an hour every day, right? That it Absolutely. And if you have, if you don't have the time for that, you know, think about other easier ways to do it, you know, playing with your kid and fully participating. And as your mm-hmm. mind wanders away, as you're playing mm-hmm. with your kid to think about all the other things you have to do, say, oh, right, right, right. I'm right now. I'm just playing with my kid. And that's yeah. all I need to do. Because right I can't do my to do list anyway. That's if right. I'm sitting on the floor right. playing Uno. Right. All I'm really doing is playing Uno. But I do that all the I mean, constantly have to redirect. I, but I have judgment with it, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I sit and play Uno and think, oh, because I'm thinking about the paper I have to write or the right. post I need to do or the 12 emails I didn't answer. Right. And then yeah. you judge it. So don't judge your judgments. Yeah. Those are also to be expected, right? Right. I love that you said that during the body scan, right? That when we were at the thighs or something, you're like, and your mind probably wandered out. I'm like, yep. <laughs> I was thinking about getting to my car and getting to the next meeting. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So, so okay. So, and I just want to, you know, I think one of the things that, that Dr. Mina and I talked about before we started recording was I think there's an illusion that mindfulness and the interest in it or the practice of it or the nurturing of it is kind of this upper socioeconomic status, wealthy, educated type thing. Like life's going so well, now you can perfect the last 99% of your life by <laughs> living perfectly with mindfulness. And I love that there's a lot of research in in um, low-income youth and even in low-income school districts of mm-hmm. using school-based mindfulness. That's right. And supporting kids. And there was a Baltimore study that was referenced in the, uh, that was published in 2016 that looked at inner city youth, like saw hundreds of kids that were taught mindfulness instruction and they had better improved functioning in school and less PTSD symptoms. Mm -hmm. So like this stuff is effective for real, quote unquote, suffering. That's right. right. And illness and mental health challenge. That's right. What other way, what other illnesses or challenges if parents are listening to this, like what kind of challenges can mindfulness help? Sure. So, I mean, the strongest evidence base for currently for um, mindfulness meditation is um, relapse of depression among adults. Mm-hmm. And so that's so there's a, a body of research that supports that. Mm-hmm. And then mindfulness meditation has also been supported to um, among a wide range of people that have um, chronic health problems. Um, and, and then, and just like to, chronic pain, pain, chronic one, pain right? specifically. I mean, pain, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then to increase, um, positive emotions and decrease, um, anxiety among, um, among adult populations yeah. for children. Um, the, as you were referencing the Baltimore study is one of them. Um, the, the research is showing that there's, there's promise we can go into schools and we can teach 
mindfulness meditation mm-hmm. and we can show decrease um, issues like you were referencing, like PTSD, um, decreased suffering. Um, and the research is still pretty new, but it's interesting, as you're pointing out, that they have been targeting um, low-income low population. Yeah, I think it's just a call-out. Like, this isn't about one sect of the population, right? right? That this mindfulness right. and awareness and the different kinds of practice can be done without apps and without resources, without therapists. I mean, it can be learned sure. in a YouTube, and it can be learned, you know, like when I was reviewing the, the AAP statement, the Academy statement, there was like, you know, a, a site I don't know a lot about. I clicked on it, but mindfulnessforteens.com. You know, even mm-hmm. just you can direct a teen to a website where they could learn a little bit about it themselves sure. and self-direct it. Sure. They can also YouTube. They can YouTube body scan. They can YouTube meditation, and yeah. they will find lots of yes. different yeah, offerings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's just end by talking a- – Dr. Mead, help me understand, like, what are ways today, after listening to this kind of introduction to mindfulness with you, what are ways that parents can incorporate mindfulness in their daily lives? Um, well, I would say you can make it make it fun, like I was talking about. Do full participation in the moment with your kiddo while you're playing with them. For example, with our five-year-old, we do wrestling. We set the timer for 10 minutes, and we throw ourselves oh in. You do dance parties, you do wrestling, it's like unrestricted true. wrestling. It's yeah. true. And sometimes I don't really feel like I want to wrestle. Yeah, and, I bet. I bet. And <laughs> my mind is like, I really don't want to do this. And then I remind myself that this is what I'm doing right now. And uh-huh. so, so you know, playing with your kids in full participation, mm-hmm. that's a, an, a, a way to incorporate it. Mm-hmm. Another way to do it is to make it routine. We do a really simple gratitude mindfulness mm-hmm. before we eat, which is just we each go around and say what we're thankful for. Yeah, we do. That's our best part of the day thing. It's so good. Ritualized gratitude is such mm-hmm. nice. Because mm-hmm. it makes you think on the day. I mean, it's not exactly the moment right now. It's the moments right. of the day. But, it, right. but the practice of sharing it right. is really momentous. Right? Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also um, you can put away your cell phone while you're talking to somebody. Put away your cell phone while you're talking at dinner or um, listening to your kid. Like that's a really simple thing. It's so Cell phones are so ubiquitous, and they're yeah. We're all trying to figure that out. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, that and that. There are two things in that. I think that when I think about how you talk and help me understand mindfulness is that there is this act of gratitude, which is I'm so thankful for your presence. I'm going to take this thing and put it away because it might take me away from you. That's right. And I'm also saying to you in that action, I delight in you enough. I'm prioritizing you over. All the other people, things, needs, requests, mm-hmm. and ideas that people can get to me through that little glass plate right, right. of my phone. That's yeah, right. I like that. Well, this is just the beginning of some conversations with Dr. Mead. And I, I'm, like, thinking you should come back. I mean, I seriously think we should do some podcasts where you, like, just do some body scans and we'll do some, like, <laughs> how-tos. And then I'll drive around and listen to you all day. It sounds great. But this is the beginning of, I think, understanding mindfulness. And, and we'll follow with some podcasts that are a little bit more how-tos. But... Um, Dr. Mead, thank you so much for joining. It's been my pleasure. And for this introduction. The reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 